Hey world, we are Citywide Church, creating the largest soul-saving effort ever seen right here in Bridgeport, Connecticut. We want to thank you for tuning in to this week's podcast. We would love to know how our ministry has touched your life. So if you have a couple of minutes, please send us an email at amen at citywidechurch.us. Also, if you would like more information about us or about how to support this ministry financially, you can visit our website at www.citywidechurch.us. Thank you again for listening, and as always, be encouraged and stay blessed. Hey, this is Pastor Lewis from the one and only Citywide Church. This past Sunday, we had a major fault with our recording, but we thought it was so important for you to hear this message that we took and ripped the audio from our Facebook video. It's not the same quality we're used to, but we thought this message was so important that you should still hear it even in this form. We hope you appreciate it. Take care, and God bless. Forward into the sermon. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. We ask you now to open our spiritual ears. We pray that you would even hide me, Lord, behind your cross and preach your word, God. That your church would be encouraged today, would be lifted up, and that you would have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. The church says, Amen. We've been on this series called The Shadows of the, somebody say, Cross. Cross. And uh, I'm probably going to do this series next year again because it's always fun in my, in my ideas uh, to really talk about Jesus in the Old Testament and how everything that we see was pointing towards a Savior that God had promised you and me. Amen. And last week we spoke about Cain and Abel. The week before that we spoke about Moses when he hid in the cleft of the rock. And if you missed those, you can catch them online. But today I want to talk to you about a story that might be familiar to some people. And it's in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. It's in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. And I'm reading from the ESV version of the Bible. And I want to read this to you and give you some thoughts the Lord has given me on it. Amen? Genesis 6, 5. And the Lord saw... That the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention, somebody say every, every, of the thoughts of man and of his heart were only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth. And I want to say something about that really quickly. Uh, a lot of translations vary on how they translate that because God has no regrets. What it means is that God was heartbroken over the condition of what he had created. It was not that God thought that he didn't want to create you. Amen? Clear that up real quick. And it grieved him to his heart. There we go. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land. Man and animals and creeping things and the birds of the heavens. For I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Verse 9. So these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God, and Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, and for all flesh had been corrupted their ways on the earth. And God says to Noah, I have determined to make an end to all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside, in and out with pitch. This is how you are to make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits, its breadth 50 cubits, its height 30 cubits. Make a roof for the ark and finish it with, with a lower and second and third decks. For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh 
which is the breath of life under heavens. Everything that is on the earth shall die, but I will establish my covenant with you, and you will come into the ark, you and your sons, and your wife, and your sons' wives, and every living thing of all flesh shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep it alive with you. They shall be male and female, of the birds according to their kinds, and of the animals according to their kinds, of every creeping thing on the ground, everything according to its kind. Verse 22, I'm skipping down, and Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. He did, somebody say, all, all. that God commanded him. A really familiar story of Noah's ark to many people who grew up in church. Uh, many people who did not, it still might be a familiar story of a cataclysmic flood that came upon the face of the earth. Science proved this to be true. Every single religion, whether you're dating back to uh, 5,000 years, have a story of a flood, a deluge that came and cleansed the earth. And this is the biblical account of what happened. This is 1,000, approximately 1,056 years after Adam and Eve have sinned. This is approximately 1,056 years after sin and evil has entered the earth. And up until this point, there's no moral code. There's no laws that God has given man. It has turned into a free-for-all. And the Bible says that every single thought of man was evil. And I'll tell you this. The Bible also says in the New Testament, Jesus speaking, that in the last days, that the earth would reflect the times of Noah. Violence and, and, and every thought of man would be sinful. And we don't see that just yet. But if you look at society, you know that it's getting more violent every day. It's getting more evil every single day. And so God is looking at the earth, and to a holy, perfect God, the fact that there is so much sin is extremely problematic. To a holy and perfect God, the fact that there is all this sin is not good, and God being righteous and just, he knows that he has to divvy out punishment and wrath for this situation. And the Bible says that God looks upon the earth and he finds this one man in the midst of a sinful world and his name is Noah. And it's so key to understand in verse 5 of chapter 6 that the Bible says that Noah found favor in the eyes of God. Amen. Noah found favor in the eyes of God. And so God says to himself, I'm going to take Noah, I'm going I'm to build the ark with Noah, I'm going to repopulate the earth through Noah. And everything's going to happen to Noah and his family. But that verse is so key that Noah found favor in the eyes of God. You see, we spoke last week about justice and mercy. Justice is getting exactly what you deserve. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. But grace is getting what you don't deserve. And so although Noah was living in a good manner, by nature being human, he still had sin in him. But God gave him grace. The Hebrew word for favor is the word grace. He found grace in the eyes of God. Are you with me, church? God extended grace to him. And in extending this grace to Noah, God tells Noah of the upcoming judgment that is about to hit the earth. He says, no, you have to understand, up until this point, it has never, ever rained on the earth. The Bible clearly says that up until this time, the dew of the morning watered the earth. There had never been rain. <coughs> rain is a result of sin. And the Bible says that God tells Noah, hey, listen, Noah, I'm going to send this flood to the earth, and I want you to build 
this ark. And Noah responds to God. And in that last verse we read, verse 22, he says, Noah did all that God commanded him. A couple things to understand about this scripture. Amen. And the first thing is that Noah is living in a place where boats have not been seen or needed. And so when God gives him this instruction, Noah's having a revelation from God. Nobody has needed boats up until this point. The second thing to understand, I told you, it's never rained on the earth. Which leads us to the third thing, that Noah looked and sounded absolutely crazy telling people that there's a storm coming from the heavens of water that was going to flood the earth. So I'm building this big thing called the boat. But God's instructions to people never, ever really look sane. It tells you the wild thing, and you'll know exactly what he's talking about. But the first thing to know, here's my first, first point to today, is that this story is a reflection of grace and faith. It is the grace of God telling Noah, Noah, you can know that this is coming to you, this storm, this judgment. But the faith in Noah to respond to God's word. And build this ark. And Noah would go for a hundred years. And he would build this ark in faith. Believing God that what he said would happen. Well how do we know that? Hebrews 11.7 says. Noah acted in faith. By faith Noah being warned by concerning. By God concerning events yet unseen. In holy fear constructed an ark. For the saving of his household. This is a picture of grace and faith. The grace that God gives man and the faith that we have to respond to God's word. Ephesians 2.8 says this, you've been saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And all the, way, all the way from the beginning, God is showing that the way to true salvation is simply through his grace. Having faith in what he says, believing him. Today, God tells us that we should put our faith in Jesus Christ. His only son who died on the cross that you might have forgiveness of your sins, correct? Have you responded to that faith? Because the grace of God is for you to respond to that faith. Looking at the story of Noah, it's easy to see this is completely a story of God's mercy and gracefulness. It is the grace of God that he would even preserve any man because all of man deserves sin, or rather wrath because of their sin. It was a wicked generation that Noah lived in, and God abhorred this generation. There was hatred and disgust in the heart of God for this generation, for how evil they had become. But in faith, Noah responds to God, and he begins to build this ark that would take him 100 years to build. Now, if you build this ark for 100 years... Somewhere in that time, you might lose a little bit of your faith. Some of you build something for a year and lose faith. <laughs> build something for a week. We've been talking for a week, but I don't know if I can trust it. You're just like, nah, next one. It's hard to build something for a month. I don't have no faith in the DOT. They'd be building the highway for five years. <laughs> Same part. It's never done. Like, when, when is New Haven going to be finished? Praise God. When is 95 and 91 connected? When is the final going to be finished? And finished to me is when the orange things are gone. <laughs> and it's just like when you're building stuff for so long, it's like, man, I just... But Noah, he was actually a preacher of righteousness. He would preach to me. And tell them of the incoming judgment of God. But the Bible says that he, in faith, followed God. 
Much like Noah, God comes to us and he holds us in his hands and he tells us of his eternal plan of salvation. And he says, I've laid out my grace for you. Would you just accept this through your faith? My son, Jesus Christ, is your Lord and Savior. As a matter of fact, if you're here today, you have found favor in God's eyes like Noah has. If you're here today, under the sound of my voice, whether you've made the commitment to Christ or not, you have found favor in the eyes of a holy, just, and righteous, mighty God of the ages who is forever. Amen. He's here right now and he says, you found favor in my eyes. Tell somebody next to you, you've got favor in the eyes of God. And so Noah builds this ark and it takes him a hundred years and he builds this crazy ark. It's this big box and he builds it. And the Bible says that him and his family would get into the ark. Here's point number two. The ark shows God's provision for salvation in Jesus. Because the ark, they would get in the ark. Somebody follow me here. They would get in the ark and the Bible says the storm would come. The storm would rage. But they would not be affected by the storm because they would be in the ark. And the ark would take on the brunt of the punishment of the wrath of God from the storm. That the ark would take on the waves. The ark would take on the winds. The ark would take on the crashing water. The ark would take on everything. And they would not be exposed to the storm because of the ark. And likewise, you in Christ Jesus are not going to experience the wrath of God. But it was Jesus on the cross who was exposed to the wrath of God on my behalf. And he took the nails for me. He took the punishment for my sins. He took the beating that I deserved. He was bruised and battered for me. Like the ark would be bruised and battered for, to save Noah's family. Isaiah 53, 10 says, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Talking about Jesus. He hath put him to grief in our place as a substitute when God will make his soul an offering for sin. This is a picture of Jesus, church. Noah's Ark points to the saving grace of our Father. It points to that, that Jesus would take on all the punishment for your sin. And everything that you would deserve, Jesus would take it. The storm would come against the Ark. The rains would beat and batter on it. But Jesus, just like the Ark, takes the punishment for the wrath of God. He is the provision of salvation that saved us from God's wrath. Wrath just means judgment. Well, you may say judgment for what? For your sinfulness. God had to judge something, so instead he judged his son. Romans 5, 9 says, Therefore we have now been justified by his blood. Much more shall we be saved from the wrath of God. Thank you, God. See, see, see. That's the problem, y'all. That's, that's the problem right there. That's the part. Y'all should have been like, Yes! Because, hey, hey, let me pull this out for you. God is really good at what he does. Amen. And, and actually, actually, the ontological argument for God means that God is best in all areas and all things. Like he is imminent. He's first in everything. So if God was playing basketball, he would never be shot. <laughs> Build this out. If God was a gopher, every shot is a hole in one. You get what I'm saying? If God was playing baseball, everything's a home run. He would get a grand slam with nobody else on base. <laughs> That's God. <laughs> like God would be way better than Tom Brady and not to cheat. Praise God. Because <laughs> he has justice, righteous God, holy, perfect, and the balls to be fully inflated. But anyways, listen. What I'm saying is that God is good at everything he does. And you know what God is really good at? God is really good at judging. 
good at pouring out his wrath. And God always, always punishes those who need punishment. And you have to realize that when the Bible says that God has saved you from wrath, like if God was a sniper, he would never miss a shot. And if the bullet was judgment, you can get it. But Jesus took it for you. shall we be saved from the wrath of God? Pastor, what you said, I'm saying that Jesus is your ark. Jesus is your ark. The Bible says, any man be in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. We went through all the in scriptures during the first week. First John, the first God epistle rather of John is all about being in Christ. If you are in him, Jesus said in John 15, the gospel, if I remain in you and you remain in me, you will bear much fruit, fruit that will last. It's about being in him. When you get inside of Jesus, he becomes your ark of protection from the wrath of God. We're saved from the judgment of God by placing our faith in Jesus. And Noah built this ark that he had to have faith in God, that God told him to build it the right way. The ark is a picture of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Can I, can I just, the ark is, is a picture of Jesus. Besides the fact that the ark is wooden and so was the, Jesus' cross, let me point out some things to you. The Bible commanded Noah for the ark to be covered inside out with pitch. And this word, Hebrew word kafar, means to cover. It means to cover. And Paul writes in Romans 4, 7, Blessed are they whose sins are covered. Yeah. This is all a picture. God says, I need you to cover every single part of the ark inside out. Nothing in, nothing out. Because when I blot out your sins, they're blotted out for good. I am covering you. The ark was the only means by which Noah could be saved. There was no other way for Noah to be saved. And, and the Bible says that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. The Bible says the ark was to be built with a number of rooms. And Jesus said, in my Father's house, there are many rooms. And if it were not so, I would not tell you so. The ark is a picture of the finished work of Jesus Christ of salvation. The ark is a picture of all of creation in one shot being saved in one of the sons of God being revealed. Why? Because it's not just us that has to be redeemed. It's all of creation. It's all of creation. It's the animals. It's the trees. It's the planet. God's going to set it all straight, the Bible says. Thank you, Lord. He sends everything in. Jesus is the ark by which we escape judgment. This word cover that I talked about, it means it's the same word used for atoning, to cover sins. He covers us that we might not be exposed to the work of the enemy. Judgment of God, even so. So Noah builds this ark in obedience to God. And when the time comes, Noah and his family enter the ark and they go through the door. The door that only God can open and only God can close, the Bible says. The Bible says in Genesis 7 that God shuts the door behind Noah and his family. And he gave explicit instructions about this door. This door was to be on the side of the ark. Only have one door, no windows. 
It's point number three, and I'm already done. Jesus is the door by which we enter salvation. Jesus is the door. Jesus said in John 19:34, He says, I am, rather John 10, I am the door. And if anyone enters through me, he shall be saved. The ark had one door. And it's a picture of Jesus. It's the one way to the Father. He's the one mediator between God and man. And God opens and God closes that door the way he, he sets his son down and the way he lifts his son back up. And the ark would, would be built. And it would be on a descent. And then it would rise up at the floodwaters and ascend to the top of the mountain. Just like Jesus came down and went back up. It's all a picture of Jesus. But the door on the side is the most important part. Because the door on the side represents something much more sacred. Besides the fact that it represents Jesus, it represents Jesus on the cross. And when he had died, they took a spear and they stabbed him right here. The Bible says water and blood came out. The reason why he was in hypothalamic shock, his body was, and it would have gathered fluids all around his heart. And they would stab you then and make sure you were dead. And go straight to the heart. What do you say in that? That the door on the side of the ark, it's a picture of a wound in the side of Christ straight to his heart that says now the guilty and the sinner come straight to the heart of God. Come on, hallelujah! It's only through Jesus. He's your ark. And you may say, well, I've been enduring some hard stuff. Well, get in the ark. Everything hasn't been as good as it can be in my life. Get in the ark. Yes. The ark that is Jesus Christ. I made a mess up my life, Pastor. That's all right. Get in the ark. The only requirement was that you believe the ark can save you. Yes. The only requirement in Jesus is that you believe in the work, the finished work of Jesus over your life. He's paid the price, He's done the hard work. It's already been built. The saddest story. That's kind of untold in Genesis, but told in the New Testament about Genesis. Is that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. You know, by definition, when it comes to ministry, Noah was a total failure. The Bible says that he preached during the time where he was building the ark. So for a hundred years of some sort, Noah preached the message of righteousness. He preached that people would be saved. And you know how many folks got saved under the ministry of Noah? None. Just his family. But the message still echoes today. The cry of Noah to the righteous, to those in need of righteousness, stands today as it does in the cross of Jesus Christ. That if you would come into him, you will be saved from the wrath of God. Ah, but Pastor, I don't know if I need him. We all need him. You don't know what I've done. I don't need to know what you've done. He knows what you've done. He's here today right now to meet you in your 
fight for you see it's your future. Some of you today should be celebrating that you have a heart named Jesus. Others should be celebrating that you can enter into the heart named Jesus. You should be happy because you know what? I have an opportunity to be spared from all the evil that I've done. And, and it doesn't mean that it's going to change overnight. But it does mean that when I'm in him, I'm a new creature, a new creation of Jesus. Would you stand today? He is the door. Come on, I said he is the door. He's the heart of the Jesus Spirit. Thank you again for listening to our podcast. We hope you've been blessed by this sermon. If you would like to share how God may have blessed you through this message, please feel free to share your testimony on our Facebook page at Citywide Church. And while you're there, like our page for daily updates. You can also follow us on Instagram at Citywide Church. Just a reminder, if you would like more information about this ministry or how to support us financially, please visit our website at www.citywidechurch.us. We hope you tune in next week to our podcast. Thank you again. Be encouraged. Stay blessed.